You can be seated all over the house. Today, we are starting this brand new series called Arrows, and the tagline is just living toward the target. And so here's the thing when we talk about living toward the target, really, of your life, it always involves the future. And so really living toward the target is all about preparing for the future. There's always something that's up ahead. There's always something that's in front of you. And there's always some target in terms of a future season of your life. And so for some of us, as we think about that, it's, it's exciting. And in some cases, it's intimidating. Like the next thing for you or the target that's next ahead of you might be um, a graduation. And then there's some things behind that that you're starting to look toward. For some of you, um, the next thing for you or the target that's up ahead might be college. For others of you, the target might be grad school. For others of you, you're looking to another season and maybe you're about to get married. And if you're a girl, you probably prepared for that day for about 15 years. And now it's going to happen. It's going to come to fruition. And so that's like the next big target in your life. For others of you, it's, it's a new dream that's kind of been brought to the surface of your life that you're starting to chase. For others of you, it might be a new job. For others of you, um, you may be in a season where the next big target for your life is retirement. And it's not like it's a year away. Maybe it's seven, ten years away. But that's kind of the next big thing that you're looking for. For others of you, it's a, a new baby. We've had a couple of those uh, born in our house even over this weekend. It's another baby. For others of you, it's maybe empty nest that's fast approaching. But all of us have some kind of target for the future. We have a target just in terms of our life in general. But then we have a target in terms of something that's next for us, something that is up ahead for us. And we have an idea of what we want that to look like. Now, here's the temptation, though. And this is kind of what we're going to talk about for these next two weeks. The temptation is to think that because I know what the target is, that I am prepared to hit the target. Because I know what's up ahead, then that's enough to be able to actually move in the direction of where I want to go. And here's the thing. Nothing could be further from the truth. Now, just to give you this real example, if you know me, you know I'm a big hunter. You know I'm a big um, outdoorsman. I mean, that's just kind of what I do. And so if you don't know me, um, that nothing could be further from the truth with that either. Um, this is actually my sister-in-law's bow and arrow, and she kind of gave me pointers on how to handle it. So here's what I know. I'm going to act like I know what I'm talking about. Um, I've never used one of these at, except at camp, and I almost killed somebody. So I'm not going to fire this, so there's not going to be any lawsuits today. I just want to use this purely as an illustration. But here's what I know about shooting this thing is there's a couple of things that go into it. Like, you've got to have a consistent anchor point. Like, it's got to be released from the same point every time. Where your fingers go on the arrow and the bowstring is incredibly important. Your stance, which I have no idea about, but whatever it is, is very important in terms of where you're going to go. Um, you're, the rotation of your elbow, like all of those things are the most important thing. Some of you are so nervous. I'm not going to release this. Uh, are so important when you're looking at the target and releasing the arrow. Now, here's what's really interesting to me is that all of those things, honestly, if you're just a little bit off, it seems insignificant. Like my fingers have to be off just a little bit or, or my stance can be off just a little bit. And what is minimal over here, what is seemingly insignificant over here is huge over here. Like I can just be off a little bit in terms of where my anchor point is, but a little bit here is yards away over here. Like preparation is everything. 
Like what you do in advance of the arrow leaving the bow is everything. It determines everything about where you're going to go and whether you're going to get close to the target or whether you're going to hit the target. And here's the reality. There is no correlation. There's no correlation between knowing what the target is for your life or that next thing and being prepared to hit it. Like all of us have seen this. Like there's a lot of people that they spend a lot of time preparing to get married like preparing, and not really to get married, preparing for the wedding, but not spending a lot of time preparing to actually be married. Like, we'll have people come to us or to our care pastor and be like, hey, I want to get married. And they, you know, we set the whole thing up. And you're like, you need to go through premarital counseling. And they're like, ah, I don't have time for that. Like, I'm, like you, you have no idea all that goes into getting ready for a wedding. And we're like, okay, I get that. But as long as your wedding is going to be, your marriage is going to be longer. Hopefully, if you go through premarital counseling. <laughs> and so you need to not just prepare for the wedding. You need to prepare to be married. I mean, come on, here's, here's what I know. You probably have not seen many jacked up weddings. I mean, even if it's not your style, usually, like, they're pretty good. You've seen a lot of jacked up marriages. You've seen a lot of train wreck marriages. So the whole idea behind this series is how do you prepare to hit the target? How as you look up ahead with what you're aiming at, with where you want to go, with what you want that season to look like, how do you actually prepare to hit the target? Because again, knowing what it is and knowing where you're going is not the same as being prepared to hit it. So about 10 years ago, I stumbled across this verse in my um, Bible reading that really came alive to me and over a, a period of time started to become a prayer. And when my wife and I were married, this, this verse that I want to share with you became such a big deal that we actually included it in our wedding. And when I tell you what this verse is, you're going to be like, that is the weirdest wedding verse I've ever heard in my life. But it was such a big deal to us because here's what we began to realize. And I'll just talk about other people for a second because it's less convicting than talking about um, yourself. And so you can do the same because I know this is one of those series where you're going to be thinking about all the other people that need to hear it. Um, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Like, we would watch other people that had legitimate, like, hopes, legitimate dreams, like, things that they were pursuing, like, areas of their life where they, they had an idea of how they wanted to turn out. And then they would make decisions, and from the outside, you're like, what are you doing? Like, you're not, you're not getting, you're not going to get anywhere close to that target. Last thing, isn't this true? We all have, and you can be honest in church, we all have crystal clear insight into the stupidity of other people's decisions, <laughs> right? Yeah, you can clap for that. Like, we do. It is so easy to look at other people and go, that is dumb. How do you not see that? How do you not know that's where that's going to end up? How, how do you, and, and here's the other thing real quick, just to unpack this. And again, just think about other people, is that people can be so smart in one area of their life, so brilliant, and then so dumb in another. Isn't that true too? Like you know people. Like they, somebody can be so, so brilliant in business, incredibly entrepreneurial, and like, man, you are, your IQ is off the charts. And then it comes to relationships, and they don't have a clue. You're like, why did your IQ not transfer over? How can you be so smart in one area and so dumb in another? And so we would watch people that have these desires and dreams as we were looking toward our future, specifically as a new, newly married couple. We're like, like okay, how, how do we keep from ending up in that place? Not that anything is going to be perfect, but how do we get somewhere close to the target in terms of what God's placed on our heart and where we want to end up in, in our life? Now, here's the other thing. Let me just share this verse. And this is not the verse I want to share 
But th this is a verse that I think gives so much insight if we'll take it seriously. And this is never going to end up on a coffee mug. But Jeremiah says this, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful. Like you can sell you on anything. You can. It's why when somebody drops the, the little, you know, wisdom of, hey, just follow your heart. That's the dumbest advice ever. Right? Like, because your heart, if left unchecked, it can sell you on anything. It can talk you into anything, especially if emotionally you've already moved down the road. You already won it. You've already convinced you it's a good idea. And then he says this, and above all things, it is desperately wicked. No, no, no. My mom said generally I was pretty good. No, no, no. Your mom lied. Your heart left unchecked. <laughs> It is desperately wicked. It is, if you're left to yourself. And then he says this. Who can understand it? Like, haven't you gotten to other seasons of your life or on the other side of a decision, and you're like, what was I doing? Like, why did I think that was a good idea? Why did I think he was a good idea, that she was a good idea? Why did I ever move in that direction? And Solomon's like, or not Solomon, but Jeremiah, you, you have a limitless capacity to deceive you, to talk you into stuff. And, and so... Early on, my wife and I, as we began to dream about what we wanted for our marriage and where God was leading us and for our kids and the kind of culture we wanted to create, knowing that we're busted up and we're not going to get it anywhere close to right, but wanting to pursue God's will for our life, wanting to pursue what God had for us in the future, wanting to be on point with the dreams that he's placed in our heart. And so how do we avoid that drift? How do we move down a direction and then end up getting nowhere close to where we wanted to be? How do we not sit in that seat where other people are looking at us going, are you serious? Like, how, how do you not see that? Basically, how, how could we prepare to hit the target that God had placed on our hearts for our life, for our family, for our kids, for the dreams and, and the desires that God had put in our heart? And so this verse kind of came to the surface that became a prayer. And in this verse that I want to read, there's basically two different kind of guys. They both experience the same circumstance. They both respond completely different, and they both experience two different outcomes. So not a test. You'll get it as I read the verse. But there's two different guys. They experience the same thing. They respond differently, and they both experience very different outcomes. And the guy who writes this verse is a guy by the name of Solomon. And real quick before I dive into it, don't put it up yet. Um, before I dive into that verse, Solomon is an interesting guy because Solomon um, basically was bestowed, had bestowed upon him by God a bunch of wisdom. He was the wisest man in the world during his time. And then not only that, God basically allowed him to pursue every type of pleasure in life in order to see kind of where it ended. So unlike us, Solomon was able to get to the end of anything that he could think of to pursue. He had more women than you're ever going to have. He had more money than you're ever going to have. He had more authority than you're ever going to have. He was Home Depot weekend warrior times a million and built one of the seven wonders of the world. I mean, Solomon did it all. And unlike us, come on, because this is true, we always have another carrot to chase. So we have this idea that there's always something up ahead. So even when we chase something down, you're like, oh, that didn't really turn out the way I thought. That didn't fulfill the way I thought. There's always one more thing we can go after, not Solomon. He pursued everything to its fullest extent, and he got to the end of his life, and he's like, man, without God, it's worthless. And trust me, I've had it all. Parties that are beyond what you can imagine. Authority that everybody wanted. Wisdom, the people from around the world came to hear it. I'm telling you, at the end of the day, without God, it was meaningless. It was like chasing after the wind. 
And so Solomon writes all this incredible wisdom that was given by God, but he doesn't follow any of his own advice. And so he gets to the end of his life, and there's several areas that are just out of control because he didn't listen to himself. So here's what Solomon says, and I just want to read one verse, two lines. That's my whole message. Um, but some of you who've been around know that I can squeeze 55 minutes out of that. But um, I'm going to go as quick as I can. But I just want to spend a lot of time because I want to I unpack this thoroughly, almost word by word. So just hang, hang with me for a second. Here's what Solomon says. The prudent. The wise. What I'm about to talk about, the contrast I'm about to bring, I want to talk about the wise for a second. And here is the definition of wise people. Wise people see all of life is connected. Wise people see life is linear. Wise people understand that what I do today doesn't stay in today. What The decision that I make now doesn't stay in the now. That what I'm doing, the decisions I'm making, the things that I'm pursuing will find its way into other arenas and other seasons of my life. In fact, I would say it this way. That your future is determined by your present and eventually it's going to become your past. Your future is going to be determined by your present, what you're doing now. Your present is preparation. You're always aiming at something. That your future is going to be determined by your present and eventually it's going to become your past. Nothing stays here. Every decision, every season, every Thing that you engage in, it's not an event, it's a pathway, it's a destination, it's leading somewhere, you're aiming towards something. So behind this really, the idea is this, is that wise people in every arena of life, in every decision, everything that they're considering, they don't ask the question of, is it right? They don't ask the question of, can I justify it? Because you can justify anything if somebody gives you enough time. Not, can I get away with it? Wise people ask the question of, in light of my future target and where I want to go and how I want this to end up, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? And then he says this, the prudent or the wise see danger. Now, real quick, and you can talk back in church, all right? So I want to hear from you. But here's what is true. You see what you want to see. And you hear what you want to hear. Like the ancient Greeks actually came up with this idea that modern psychologists now have, you know, taken and run with, but the whole idea of confirmation bias. And confirmation bias is just this, you probably already know. It's the tendency to look for information that confirms what we already believe, to confirm what we already want, to confirm where our emotions have already taken us. That's what confirmation bias is. And now come on, like this is just truth, is that you cherry pick information, like there's something you want and you cherry, like this is what's so crazy to me is that you can have two people encounter the same information and then those two people can walk away and have contradictory views and feel absolutely confident in their views. Like the other thing is that this is always incredible. And again, just think about somebody else. I'm sure this isn't you. But sane people, sane people can look at information that is undeniably untrue. And walk away and ignore it. I'm talking about sane people do that. Like it's just this thing that we have because once we decide on something that we want, something that we feel, something that we've already started to emotionally pursue, we go hunt down information to support that. And all of us at some level have this underlying kind of idea of I'm awesome and my decisions are awesome. So I need to go find information to support my awesomeness. 
We all want to find information where we filter it out so it bolsters our argument and what we want to do. Or we filter out information that maybe would somehow oppose that view. And all of us are guilty. And so Solomon says, but the prudent, they see danger. Let, let me give you one more example on the flip side of this, though, is that this is true kind of on the negative side, because for some of you, maybe you have a very low self-esteem, like how you view you is not very good. And you're constantly sabotaging relationships at each season of your life because you look for evidence to support how you feel about you. And, and I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest Things that the enemy is going to use to distract you from what God wants to do in your purpose. Where you are walking around and you've leaned into the wrong voices. You've seen the wrong things. And so maybe you're in a place to go, I, I just don't think I have anything to offer. I, I don't think there's anything significant about me. I don't think that I could ever move past this past. And yet if you're in Christ, you have a heavenly father that is going, are you kidding me? You are loved by your creator, God of the universe. You, you are accepted by him. You are worthy him. At the cross, Christ died for you so that he could redeem you. And here's economics 101. The value of a thing is determined by the price it brings. That because Christ gave up his life for you, it means that you're worth Jesus. That you are secure in Jesus. That regardless of your past, he has a hope and a future for you. That you are his son. You are his daughter. And yet you are leaning into voices that are beating down the confirmation bias and drawing you to a place where you are living in a reality that isn't even even true. And the enemy, because he cannot take your life, would love to lead you to a place where you waste your life. And the key is not for you to go out and change your behavior. The key is for you to go out and change your thinking. Well, I just, I'm beat down. I just don't think I can overcome this addiction. I don't think I can ever say no to this sin. I don't know as, as hard as I've tried if I'm ever going to get out of the grips of this. And again, you have a heavenly father going, you are listening to the wrong voices. At the cross, I defeated the power of sin. Sin is not your master. Sin no longer has any claim over you. You are listening to voices that are not true. And I know you don't feel like it because you're not living like it. But the moment you are awakened to me and what I've given you through the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can say no to any sin. You can beat any addiction with the power of the Spirit of God inside of you. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. You are free. You're not living like you are free. And you need to change your thinking that this is what God has given you. This is what God has invited you into. And you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He has given everything you need so that you can overcome what you didn't think you could say no to. And he's like, you have got to lean in to the right voices. And so he, here's the reality. What separates prudent people from everybody else is the prudent pay attention to what they desperately don't want to see. Prudent people lean in to hear what they desperately don't want to hear. Like one more thing, and I'm going to move on. This is so huge if you're a follower of Jesus. Why, it's why James, the brother of Jesus, says, listen, with everything in you, you need to pray for wisdom, and then you need to go after it. Because to pursue wisdom is really to pursue God. Because God set the world, he manufactured the world in terms of wisdom, cause and effect, sow and reap, 
principles, insights. And so when you follow in terms of how God created the world to work, you're literally following God. To pursue wisdom is to pursue Jesus. And when you do, when you link your life up with how God has created life to work, literally you bring glory to God. And come on, bringing glory to God is the target for your life if you're a follower of Jesus. You are more alive, you are more fulfilled, you are more in the rhythm of what he has designed for you than any other place that you could pursue in your life. And so to pursue wisdom means to pursue God, to see danger at some level because God is truth, is to see God. And so Solomon says, the wise people understand that life is connected, it's linear, it's going somewhere, it's going to show up in your future and at some level it's going to define your past. And so they see danger. And then once they see what they don't want to see and hear what they don't want to hear, they do what few people are willing to do. They respond appropriately. And the prudent see danger and they take refuge. When they see and when they hear what they don't want to, they act because they understand that this is going somewhere. That this decision is not a decision that's isolated, it's a pathway. That this thing that I'm involved in is not going to stay in this moment. It's a highway that's going to lead me somewhere in the future. And then the Greek word, the Greek word for refuge has the idea of this scout that goes up ahead of an army. He sees danger. He comes back, tells the army or tells the general, and they all take a defensive posture. It also could be used of an adventurer that goes out and sees danger up ahead, a traveler. And because he sees danger up ahead, the literal translation is he runs for the hills. And Solomon is like, listen, if you're wise, you're going to understand that life is connected. And when you see danger, you're going to do something. Like, listen, she's crazy. Run for the hills. <laughs> or he, or whatever the situation is. That, that financial decision, it's not going to end well. There's a bunch of people who won't say anything to you, but they're all looking from the outside going, what are you thinking? Psalm's like, run for the hills. This thing that you're engaging in that's just a little bit unethical, but it's not that big a deal, and I'll move past it quickly. No, 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 no. This is not an event. This is not an isolated point in time. This is a pathway. Run for the hills. The prudent see danger, and they take refuge, but then there's a contrast. And Solomon's like, but the simple and in the Greek, this is literally translated the naive, and some translation even goes so far as to say the stupid. But the simple or the naive. Now, here's the thing. This is not the target for anybody's life. Nobody wakes up and goes, I want to be that guy. No, nobody wakes up and goes, okay, I want to be way away from what I'm actually pursuing for my life. Nobody does that. But Solomon's basically like, the unwise person or the naive person, they get up and they act as if life is disconnected. They act as if their present is going to become their past and it's just going to stay there. But they don't see life as linear. They don't see life as moving somewhere. So they'll say things like this. Well, that was just high school. Well, that was just my first marriage. Well, that was just, that was a different season of time. That's when we lived in a different state. It's, it's not that way anymore. That's when I lived over there. Or they'll make statements like this. Maybe if somebody even tries to approach to go, hey, listen, dude, I know you're aiming for this, but you're not going to get anywhere close. You're, you're moving in an opposite direction with your decisions. And they're like, it'll be okay. I'll be careful. It's different. I'm different. This is right for me. And on and on and on it goes. And Solomon's like, no, no, no 
the simple, they just keep moving like life is somehow disconnected. Let me just give you one example. Like one of the ways I think we do this is for some of us who maybe have followed Jesus for a long time and, and God has fortified and forged our faith in a pretty, a pretty legit way to where our, our faith and our trust and our confidence in God is at a certain level. And then, and then once we have kids, something happens where a lot of us forget what forged and fortified that faith. And so all of a sudden, we start to make little little compromises and little things over here that don't seem like that big a deal. They're isolated. They're insignificant. And come on, my kids know we love Jesus. Uh, my faith is fortified. My faith is strong. And yet what you begin to do is make decisions for your kids, not understanding what forged your faith in the first place. Like, ah, it's just going to be a couple Sundays. It's just going to be during soccer season. It's just going to be during dance season. It's not that big a deal. They know. We all love Jesus. And on and on it goes. And what you do not understand is you are creating a drift. And what is small and insignificant here is yards over here. And just mark it down because for some of you, this is what you need to hear whether you're online or in the house, specifically with your kids. And the Old Testament talks a lot about this, is that the multi-generational drift gets wider. And every time you make a compromise here, it gets wider over here most of the time with your kids. But we don't see it. And we don't see that what we're doing today and the little decisions that we're making today, they're going to influence what happens tomorrow. And so Solomon's like, that is how the unwise person lives their life. Everything's disconnected. And then here's the other interesting thing, and I'll move on, is here's the implication in the verse, is that the prudent and the wise see the exact same danger, but have totally different responses. And maybe some of it is the, the simple or naive person just doesn't want to pay attention, but the other scenario is this, is maybe they really don't see it. Maybe they really don't see where this is going. And again, let's just talk about other people for a second. You sat down with people, and have you ever done this, somebody that you really cared about? And, and again, you didn't really have any dog in the fight, but you were just trying to, hey, I, wanna, I just want to encourage you. I love you. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe it was educationally. Maybe it was in terms of, of some kind of decision they're making about their future. Maybe it was over a habit, whatever it was. But you sit down and try to tell them or warn them, and you're like, it is so clear. This, I don't see why you don't see this. I don't see why you can't understand where this is headed. The A is going to lead you to B. That's just how it works. And yet they didn't see it. And then they walked away and did it anyway. Leased it anyway. Bought it anyway. Dated it anyway. In some cases, married it anyway. And you're like, did you, did you, not, did you not see that coming? And, and the other part of, I think, what Solomon is unpacking is at some, in some cases... They really don't see it. And so the prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple, they, they just keep going. Like there's danger, there's warning signs, but they don't do anything and they just keep on going. And come on, can we just come around this reality and it'll get happier in a second. But I'm just stating what you already know. You can go down a road so far, you can make a decision where it gets to a point where it's too late in some arenas of your life. And you get to a point where there is no return and you can't escape the consequences. 
That's just natural cause and effect. And it has nothing to do with God's forgiveness. And it has nothing to do with God's love. It has nothing to do with whether God is with you through that. It's just the tendency of we filter out, we filter out, we filter out. I want to hear what I want to hear. I want to see what I want to see. And all of a sudden, you move down to a place where you wake up one day, and it's too far. You've gone too far. There's going to be some natural consequences that you cannot undo. How many of you, any of you, have any of you ever um, whitewater rafted before? Yeah. So I think this is true of probably every river, but specifically if you do a, like a class five rapid. Um, I did several of these when I was younger, one time with my dad actually, and I've, every, I've used this example before and I've, I've tried to find this picture and I can't find it, um, of my dad taking out an entire boat of people where they got him mid-flight um, and he just clears the boat out and one of these days I got to find that. Um, but we were going down this, it was a class five rapid, I can't remember where it was at, and like these are legit rapids. So this class five was, you would go over like six, eight foot waterfalls. I think it was the first rapid in that river was called Decapitation Rock and for a reason. Because if you, once you got over the fall, if you didn't duck, it was not going to end well. So you, you had to listen in, you had to like heed their instruction. But here's what's really interesting is as powerful as those rapids are, in between those rapids, the water is completely calm. Like you could put up your feet, you could chill, you could eat a sandwich. I mean, the water barely moves. And at certain points in those, those clear areas, they'll have like a, a cable across, sometimes with a sign that'll say, exit rapids here, to where you could move your boat to the side, you could get up on the dirt path, and you could just walk your way to the other side of the rapids. But that's the point to do it. Now, here's the interesting thing is, at that moment when you see the sign, there's no reason to get out. Like the water is completely calm. You're like, how bad can it be? I mean, there's barely, there's barely a ripple in the water. But if you don't get out there, there's a certain point where you get to the edge of that rapid and you are not getting out. Like you are going down that rapid whether you want to go down the rapid or not because there's a point of no return. There's a point where you go far enough and you can't reel it back in. And the same is true of this. Like you can have all of the intention in the world, but there's a certain point where the arrow leaves the bow and you're not going to pray it back in. You're not going to intend it back in. You're not going to hope it back in. You're not going to believe it back in. You're not going to have enough sincerity to bring it back in. The arrow's going to leave, and it's going to end up where you pointed it. And Solomon's like, this is the nature of life. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple just keep going. And there's a time that you can get out, and there's a time where it's just too late. And then he says this, but the simple keep going, last part of the verse, and they suffer for it. And it's not punishment from God. Again, all throughout Proverbs, it, this is wisdom literature, and he talks about wisdom like it's a person. But he's not talking about God. This is just natural cause and effect. This is just natural sow and reap. This is just natural principles and insights and wisdom. And he's going, they refuse to see, they refuse to hear and they just kept going. And right, you, you know this. There's certain arenas or areas of life where if they're left unattended for too long, it moves you to a place where it gets so complicated, there's almost no good options. Like when you have like two or four maxed out credit cards and two leases and a mortgage, that's not the time to get on a budget. Like, you should do it. I'm just saying, do it now. 
but, but there's some natural consequences that are going to take effect, and you can't, you can't do anything about it. Like, when you're pregnant, is not the time to evaluate the relationship. When you're on the other side of an affair, that's not the time to work on the marriage. And Solomon's like, listen, the, the prudent, they see danger, and they do something about it, but the simple, they just keep going, and they suffer for it. And I just want to make this really clear and put this parenthesis in here because I want you to leave understanding this. This is not an indicator of God's love and God's grace. Here's the reality from the scripture. Not only will God meet you on the other side of the brokenness you create, God will walk with you through it. God is never letting you go. God is never going to leave you on your own. Paul couldn't have said it any more clearly when he talks about this in Romans 8. I want to read it in the message paraphrase. He says this, do you think anything is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. There's not trouble. There's not hard times. There is not hatred. There is not anger. There is not homelessness. There are not bullying threats. There is not backstabbing. Not even the worst sins listed in scripture. And Paul's like, I oversaw the death of people. I know what I'm talking about. Verse 38. And I am absolutely convinced that nothing, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. I'm not promising to be with you on the other side. I'll even walk you through it, the dysfunction that you're created. Nothing is ever going to separate you from my love. Nothing is ever going to separate you from my presence. There is nothing that you can do and no decision that you make where I am somehow going to back away. You have all of my favor. You have all of my love. You have been adopted as my son and my daughter, and nothing is ever going to overcome that. And you're going to bring me glory even through your brokenness, but you can also bring me glory by avoiding some of that brokenness and some of that avoidable regret. And Jesus is like, I'll be there with you on the other side, but I'm also inviting you to circumvent the other side altogether if you'll just follow me. And the prudent, they see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and they suffer for it. And as we close this down, here's the contrast. Here's just a couple examples that I would give you between the naive and the wise. The first one is this. The wise or the prudent people, they always evaluate, evaluate relationships based on their future target. Listen to me. Every relationship is going somewhere. Relationship with your kids, relationship with your spouse, relationship with your friends, relationship with your coworkers, and they don't evaluate based on what is now but what will be later. The naive, the naive people, they evaluate relationships based on where they are in the moment. Can I just say this to some of you? If you're listening on radio, you're podcasting, you're watching, you're in the house, let, let me just say this to some of you because you wouldn't listen to anybody else. There are people who care about you, who love you, and they are warning you about a relationship and they're not concerned about where the relationship is in the moment. They're concerned about where the relationship is headed. And you're living like life is disconnected and you keep pointing to now, 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 right now in the moment. But you just need to understand that relationship is going somewhere. That relationship is headed somewhere. And the prudent, the wise, they see that. Here's one more example. Is prudent people view debt as a pathway toward a specific target that they don't want to hit? 
They understand that debt does not stay here. In fact, naive people, naive people view debt as an event. It's just going to stay here, that somehow it's not going to follow me, that somehow it's not going to influence my future. But wise people who understand that all of life is connected and all of life is linear is that you are making decisions about tomorrow that are going to show up in tomorrow. So to sum it all up, Solomon says, the prudent, the wise, people who see life is connected, the prudent see danger. They see what they don't want to see. They hear what they don't want to hear. And they take refuge. But the simple keep going, and they suffer for it. I love the message paraphrase says this, is that a prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. And a simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. All right, so I wind the plane down. Just listen to me for just a second. This, for all of us, starting with me, this should scare the confirmation bias right out of us, right? Is anybody with me? Because none of us are immune. And all of us, it doesn't matter what your faith background is, it doesn't matter where you're at in the moment, you are aiming towards some kind of target. There is something that's up ahead. And just because you know what the target is does not, mean, does not mean that you are prepared to hit that target. It means almost nothing. And here's the reality, is that your sincerity is not going to trump your decisions. And your belief system is not going to trump your decisions. And, and your motivation is not going to trump your decisions. And your prayers are not going to trump your decisions. Can, can we just say this? is that there's certain things that you can't pray your way out of dysfunction that you've behaved your way into. And Solomon's like, the prudent see that and they take refuge because they understand the best way to prepare for the future is to understand that the future is going to be determined by your present and it eventually will show up in your past. And so you are going to lean in to see what you don't want to see and hear what you don't want to hear. And then you are going to act and you are going to do something. Just, just last thing from this. One of the things that is the greatest key in aiming toward the target is a consistent anchor point. Like you have to have the anchor point at the same place every single time so that you can know what to expect and you, you can know what you're going to get. That you develop consistency over time by moving to the same anchor point over and over and over and over again so that when you shoot the arrow, you have a good idea of where the arrow is going to end up. And the same is true in terms of our faith is that your anchor point with every decision, every season, and every what's next experience has to be Jesus because you have the ability to talk yourself into anything. And there are times in your life where your emotion will take over, what you feel will take over, what you want will take over, your perspective that's not even a correct perspective will take over. And Jesus is going, I want you to anchor your life to me so that even when you're on the verge of a decision, you're like, okay, God, what you're asking me to do and what wisdom says I should do, it just, it wars against everything that I want that you can come back to that anchor point to go, listen, even though I don't feel it, to pursue wisdom means to pursue Jesus. To pursue truth literally means to pursue God because God is the author 
of truth. And when you begin to do that, what you begin to find is, despite what you feel, what Jesus has for your future is better. What Jesus has planned for your future is better. What Jesus has directed for your life is better. The outcomes on the other side are better. And that he wants to bring glory to himself by you listening to the voice of wisdom on the front end and seeing what you don't want to see. And it's not going to be pain-free, problem-free, but I'm telling you, the dreams, the desires, the plans that God has for your life are immeasurably more than what you have for your life. And he says, you have to be anchored to me. And so as we close, I think if you take this seriously, I think there's four words that are going to describe this journey of you taking refuge. And for some of you, there's something right now that's coming to the forefront of your mind. And the first thing is this, is is you, action, you got to take action. You got to do something. We are famous as Christians for sitting in rows and crying tears and lifting our hands and feeling emotional feelings and walking away and doing absolutely nothing. And listen, not pray something. You got to do something. And in fact, here's what you find in the scripture is that once you see danger, God's work is done. And now it's up to you to act because God is never going to force his will on your life. The second word that's going to describe this journey, if you take it serious, is sacrifice. That at some level, if, if you're going to live for what's up ahead, there's going to be sacrifice relationally at some points. I think there's going to be sacrifice with your reputation. I think there may be even sacrifice with your resources. The other word is embarrassment. That if you really live your life according to Proverbs 27, 12, there are going to be decisions where those even closest to you are not going to understand those decisions. Because you are living not for what is. You're living for what will be. And Solomon says most people don't do that. And then I think the last word that will describe this journey is relief. Nobody ever regrets paying attention to the voice of wisdom. Nobody ever regrets taking refuge. And Solomon's like, listen, the prudent, they see danger and they do something. When you see trouble coming, you have to take action. So let me just end with this prayer. And this is a prayer, at least similar to this, that we began praying a number of years ago, nine or so years ago now, that that God has directed in so many seasons as a result of this. And one of the versions is just this. If you're praying this as a couple, Heavenly Father, Help us to see what target we're heading for way before we hit it. God, help us to see where we're going way before we get there. And then God, give us wisdom to know what to do. And God, give us courage to do it. And if you're single, it's just this. Heavenly Father, help me to see what target I'm heading for long before I get there. God, help me to live for what will be and not what is. And give me courage to know what to do. And give me wisdom to do it. And here's the thing. God answers that prayer 100% of the time. And some of you intuitively already know that because the thought of praying this scares you to death because you already know part of the answer. You already know part of what you need to let go of. You already know part of the decision that you need to make. So as we close, as you think about the target that's up ahead, as you think about what is next for you, Are there any red flags? Are there any red red flags for you? Are there any concerns about that roommate? 
there any concerns about that new hire? Are there any concerns about the culture of that office? Is there any uneasiness and you, you've quieted it and you've leaned into voices that could just drown it out, but there, is there any uneasiness about some of the decisions you're making, maybe even in terms of your personal finances, and you know that there's just something that's not right? Any red flags with your kids? Is there anything that you're seeing today that you need to act on that could show up tomorrow? Is there any red flags with your kids' friends? Is there anything coming to the surface in that relationship? And again, right now it's okay. Right now it's manageable. Right now it's, you're, it's all about in the moment, but it's heading somewhere. Are there any red flags? And listen, just between you and you, meaning you don't have to tell anybody this, you don't have to talk about it on the way home, just between you and you as we close, is there anything that you are trying desperately not to see? Is there anything that you are trying desperately not to hear? Because I'm telling you, now is the time to take refuge. Now's the time to quit. Now's the time to break up. Now's the time to cut up the cards. Now's the time to get a counselor. Now's the time to lean into that voice that you have not wanted to listen to and you've attributed all kind of stuff to their motives and you know it's because you just haven't wanted to hear it. Now is the time to take refuge. And what is at stake is your faith and your confidence in God. Because his primary objective and goal is to build a track record of faith in your life so that as you move forward and lean into the voices of truth and lean into the voices of wisdom, you're gonna get on the other side of that and your little bit of faith is gonna intersect with his faithfulness and you are gonna experience intimacy with your heavenly father that you don't get any other way. And he's going, I want you to trust me. And that voice of wisdom, that's me. That voice of truth and you just don't want to encounter the truth, that's me. And when you decide to trust me, I'm gonna grow your confidence and your faith in me and I'm gonna bring glory through it because I'm telling you, what I'm allowing you to confront is an invitation for you to receive my grace and there is a better way. So is there anything that you need to see? Is there anything that you need to hear? Would you pray with me all over the house? If you're watching online, if you're listening somewhere, if you're driving in a car, don't close your eyes, but wherever you're at in this moment. Jesus, just thank you for your grace. And I thank you that your grace is manifested in so many different forms. And that even today, I know that there's some things that probably hit a point that we're kind of sensitive to because it's, a, it's something we've tried to ignore. It's something we've tried to stiff arm. But Lord, I pray that, Lord, sometimes moving into an uncomfortable place to confront some things that we haven't wanted to confront and to hear some things that we haven't wanted to hear, it is such a beautiful expression of your grace. You want more for us. Your plans, your desires, your hope. I just wish that so many of us listening right now, wherever we are, we could just move that from our head to our heart, that your plans are so much better than ours. And that that voice of wisdom that we've tried to disconnect from the future and we've ultimately tried to disconnect from you, I pray that we'd lean into again. 
and we'd realize that 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 truth and that wisdom is you leading us. And that God, we would be willing today where we see trouble, where we see potential danger, where we see a small drift in the moment that can become a wide gap in the season down the road, that we would just have wisdom to see it and we would have courage to do something about it. And we pray this in the incredible, reconciling, doesn't matter how far down the road we have gone, grace giving, hope igniting name of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen.